Part One, Chapter Eighteen of Quo Vadis, A Tale of the Time of Nero. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Quo Vadis by Henrik Sienkiewicz, translated by Binion and Malevsky. Part One, Chapter Eighteen. Petronius to Vinicius. It fares hardly with thee, dear friend. It would seem that Venus hath disturbed thy mind and deprived thee of reason and memory, as well as the power of thinking of aught save love. Peruse thine own answer to my letter, and thou wilt find that all is indifferent to thee save Lygia alone, that thou art occupied only with her, that she is the centre of everything. By Pollux, I trust that thou wilt find her soon, or otherwise the fire within thee will turn thee to ashes, or thou wilt transform thyself into an Egyptian sphinx, who was enamoured of the white Isis, as the story goes, and was turned deaf and dumb and indifferent to all things, awaiting only the night, when he could gaze upon her with cold and stony eyes. Disguise thyself in the evening and issue forth with thy philosopher to visit the Christian houses of prayer all that raises hope and kills time will help thee but for the sake of my friendship do this one thing this ursus the slave of lygia is a man of rare strength so hire croto and take both with thee this will be safe and wise the christians if pomponia and lygia belong to them are surely not so vile as is believed but in their capture of lygia they gave proof that when some lamb of their flock is in danger they know how to act when thou seest lygia thou wilt be unable to restrain thyself but wilt endeavour to take her at once but couldst thou do this with the help of chilo alone croto could manage it even if there were ten ursuses to defend lygia therefore let not chilo plunder thee but lavish money on croto this is the best counsel that i can give thee the infant augusta is forgotten here forgotten also are the charges of witchcraft poppaea mentions her at times but caesar's thoughts are elsewhere at all events if it be true that the divine augusta is again in a delicate condition the memory of the first child will disappear without leaving any trace we have already been more than ten days in naples or rather in baiae if thou art still capable of thought surely thine ears must have heard echoes of what occurs here for it must be the general subject of talk in rome we came directly to baiae where memories of our mother revived and the voice of conscience was heard again but dost thou know the frame of mind to which bronzebeard is reduced simply to this that the murder of his mother has become for him only an inspiration for poetry and tragic themes the voice of conscience spoke only to his cowardice he soon reassured himself with the thought that the whole world was under his feet and that no god would wreak vengeance upon him he feigns emotion only to move his auditors sometimes he rises at night crying that the furies are after him he awakens us all gazes around at us assumes the pose of an actor and a bad actor at that in the role of orestes he declaims greek verses and watches to see if we are admiring him and we do admire him or feign admiration instead of saying to him back to bed thou mountebank we become tragedians in our turn and defend this great artist from the furies by castor thou must have heard how he has appeared in public in naples from the city itself and from the surrounding villages all the greek rabble were driven into the arena filling it with so vile an odor of perspiration and garlic that i thanked the gods that in lieu of sitting in the first rows with the augustales i was behind the scenes with bronzebeard 
and wilt thou believe it he was afraid truly he was he seized my hands and placed them upon his heart which was throbbing violently he breathed with difficulty at the moment when he was to appear he turned pale as parchment and on his forehead stood huge drops of sweat yet he knew that around all the seats were stationed praetorians armed with clubs ready to stimulate the necessary enthusiasm no herd of monkeys could have raised such a clatter as did this multitude i tell thee that the smell of garlic invaded the stage nero bowed pressed his hand to his heart threw kisses and shed tears he rushed back among us who were waiting behind the scenes and cried like a drunken man what are all other triumphs compared with this of mine the rabble howled out their applause knowing that it was applauding for favors gifts free places in the theatre lottery tickets and a new exhibition by caesar the mountebank i marvelled not at this for i knew that never before had they witnessed such a spectacle and every moment he repeated see what the greeks are see what the greeks are from that evening it has seemed to me that his hatred against rome increased nevertheless special messengers were dispatched to rome to carry the news of his triumph and we expect at any moment the thanks of the senate immediately after nero's first exhibition a strange thing happened the theatre suddenly collapsed but fortunately it was after the audience had left i was there at the time and did not see a single corpse taken from the ruins many among the greeks looked upon this as a sign of anger of the gods over the disgraced imperial dignity caesar asserts the contrary he declares it to be a direct evidence of the favor of the gods not only to his hymns but to those who listened to them hence thanks and sacrifices were offered up in all the temples he desires now to set out for achaea yet a few days ago he acknowledged to me that he had doubts as to what the people of rome might say and whether they might not rise in revolt out of love for him and fear that the distribution of bread and the exhibition of spectacles might cease during the absence of caesar we are now ready to start for beneventum to gaze upon the cobbler's paradise which vatinius has to show thence we go to greece under the protection of the divine brothers of helena as to me i recognize the truth of the proverb that among fools it is well to be a fool and what is more i find a certain charm in folly greece and the voyage thither in a thousand ships a sort of triumphal procession of bacchus amid nymphs and bacchantes adorned with wreaths of myrtle and vine leaves nymphs in wagons drawn by tigers flowers roses garlands music poetry and songs from lusty throats and all hellas applauding all this is well but we have more important projects in view we wish to create a sort of oriental empire a fairyland of palms sunshine poetry and reality turned into a delicious dream into a life of luxurious pleasure we wish to forget rome to place the centre of the world somewhere between greece asia and egypt to live the life not of men but of gods to forget the commonplace to wander in golden galleries under the shadow of purple sails in the archipelago to be apollo osiris and baal in one to be rosy in the dawn gold in the sun and silver in the moon to act to sing and dream and wilt thou believe it i who possess at least a farthing's worth of judgment and a groat's worth of sense allow myself to be borne away by these fancies and am doing this because in them is something rare and splendid a fairyland of this sort has its charms and in future ages it will take on the aspect of a dream 
only when venus transforms herself into a lygia or even into a slave like eunice only when art beautifies life is life worth living otherwise tis a grinning ape but bronzebeard will never realize his dream if only for this reason that in that oriental fairyland he allows no place for treason iniquity and death and ruling over all in the false guise of poetry is a common mountebank a counterfeit charioteer and a stupid tyrant meanwhile we are strangling all men who stand in our way poor torquatus silanus is now only a shadow he had to open his veins a few days ago lecanius and licinus accept the consulate with trembling old thrasia cannot escape death for he was bold enough to be honest tigellinus has not yet succeeded in securing an order to make me open my veins i am still needed not only as an arbiter of elegance but as a man whose counsel and taste are vital for the success of the expedition to achaea but i often think that sooner or later this must be the end knowest thou what then will be my chief anxiety that bronzebeard should not get my magic corals which thou knowest and admirest shouldst thou be near me at my last hour i will deliver them to thee but shouldst thou be far from me i will break them we now have before us the cobbler's paradise at beneventum olympian greece and fate which unknown and invisible points out the way to all be well and hire croto otherwise lygia will a second time be taken from thee when thou hast no further need for the services of chilo send him to me wherever i may be perchance i may succeed in making of him a second vatinius consuls and senators may tremble before him yet as they trembled before the hero dratevka ah it would be worth while to see this when thou hast found lygia let me know that i may sacrifice a pair of swans and a pair of doves in our round temple of venus once in my dreams i saw lygia on thy knee seeking for kisses strive to make this dream a reality in your heaven may there be no clouds or if some there be may they have the color and the odor of roses be in good health and happiness end of part one chapter eighteen